Welcome back to Tay Rock, Rockin' Well, the podcast. I am your host, Taylor Rockwell, and today I am joined by a lovely guest, Miss Carly Kernt. She is an entrepreneur who specializes who specializes in digital marketing. Hello, Carly. How are you? Hi, Taylor. I am doing so great. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Of course. I've been such a little fan and a little fly on the wall, if I'm being honest. I don't know how we became connected on social media, but you've been one of my social media friends, if you will, where we just see each other, we interact every once in a while. And yes, story, <laughs> I noticed started to get a little interesting. So um, don't know, didn't know exactly what you were up to, but that is really what intrigued me to bring you on this podcast. And then we talked briefly and you told me this quick, like, quick note of what your story is about. And I am so eager to talk about this on this podcast. I think it's going to be a great episode. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm super excited. Yeah, we, I have a lot of Instagram friends. <laughs> I call them people that I've met through my business that I've just chatted with and commented with and DM'd with for a while. And some of them, when I've been traveling for work, I've met up with in their city and we've grabbed coffee and I'm like, this is so weird because I feel like I know you so well, but we've never met. <laughs> and, but that, I guess, is like the age of being an entrepreneur online. <laughs> Amazing. Well, so a little bit about you. You can correct me if I'm mistaken, but you graduated from Iowa University. Uh, what was your major? So I was a finance and a marketing major. I started off with just being finance and um I was on track to graduate early and then I realized like, oh my God, this is going to be my real life. Like I'm going to have to do finance. Uh, I had like no interest in the stock market, no interest in wealth management. And I had this panicked moment of I'm going to have to do this for the rest of my life. And I hate it. And so my junior year of college, I picked up a marketing major and um, I still finished the finance major, of course, because I was so close to finishing it. It would have just been a waste not to, but I picked up the marketing major my junior year, still graduated on time, which was great. So senior, junior and senior was a bit stressful powering through a whole major in two years. But um, so yeah, so I was a finance and a marketing major. Wow, that's so impressive. Um... So I know you and I were just talking uh, last week, and so let's just dive right into this grand story because I want to use all of our minutes talking about how you quite literally pulled off a magic trick. Um, <laughs> so I'm so eager to hear it. Um, do you want to just go ahead and start about start from the beginning, wherever you feel the beginning of your story begins? Yeah, so I started my business in October of 2020, and the kind of the Cliff Notes version that I gave you, if you fast forward to where we are today, which is we're filming the first week of March of 2022, so it's been about 16 months since I started my business, um, and since then, I just brought on my fourth part-time employee. Um, I have almost quadrupled my corporate income. Um, I run a digital marketing agency, and so the agency brings in uh, multiple six figures a year. So in terms of our revenue, which is amazing in some place I would never be, but so that's kind of the where we started and where we are now. But I had a, an interesting start into deciding to be a business owner. It kind of came out of desperation, so to speak. So I, uh, before I started my business, I was working full time. I kind of bounced around a lot of different jobs after I graduated from Iowa. I did marketing and then I did operations, um, both of which were for corporate Jimmy John's. Then I moved and I worked for, at the time, was this like very teeny tiny company that was online that nobody ever heard of. And I joined them as one of the very first less than 100 employees and that company is now Carvana. <laughs> <laughs> which everyone knows what Carvana is now. So I worked at Carvana for a while and our, the company just exploded in growth while I was there. So I moved up the ranks pretty quickly there. Um, I left after being there for about two, two and a half years. And then I went and worked at a sales job, which I hated. I left that and then I went to work in another marketing job. Um, the company that I was working for asked me to move into this like HR, talent development, career development type role. 
Um, and it was something that the owners of the company were really excited about. It was their biggest initiative for the year. This year was, of course, 2020. And so uh, that was what their whole focus was. I met with the CEO and CFO regularly to talk about these programs and the progress that we were making. And um, then the pandemic happened. And nobody was concerned about talent development or career development or employee retention because no employees were quitting any jobs because everyone was getting fired left and right. And so uh, our company had a couple rounds of layoffs. I made it through the first two and I did not make it through the third round of layoffs, unfortunately. So I was laid off from my job, which was just like a major, major hit to my ego, to be totally honest. Like I had been promoted everywhere, every company that I was ever at, I was promoted at. Um, and when I got laid off, I was like this, no, this was, would never, I would never get fired. Right. Well, I didn't get fired, but in my mind, I'm like, I got fired, you know, like they didn't want me anymore. And so it was really tough for me. And so I went right into applying for jobs. And at the time the job market was just an absolute dumpster fire. And, uh, I applied for probably like 40 jobs a day for six weeks. And I just heard nothing back, like not even notes, just nothing. And there was, I remember seeing jobs on LinkedIn that said they were posted like four hours ago and there were like 300 applicants already. And it was just impossible. I'm like, no one's even seeing my resume. So after six weeks of doing that and feeling like more and more discouraged as every day went by, I said, you know what? If nobody is going to hire me, then I am going to hire me. And that was October of 2020. And that's when I started my business. So I kind of came into it out of desperation. I didn't have this like longing drive to be a, uh, an entrepreneur my whole life. I was just like, I need to make money. And I know that I can do a good job at the jobs I'm applying for, but nobody will hire me for them. So I'm just going to hire myself and do it on my own. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing. I feel similar to you, slightly different. I went to school, my major was entrepreneurship, so I knew somewhere in the line I would like to um, have an entrepreneur career, although I didn't have a clear line of vision and I had no idea what my future held and I didn't really have many objectives. Um, but I was still in school, same time, 2020, and then I was a manager at um, a fitness industry, and you know, that didn't hold up really well, <laughs> so I also got uh, furloughed, and then eventually, I don't really know what happened, I think I just fizzled out, um, and same thing, it was just like, well, I knew I wanted to be a business owner and I was graduating in the year 2021 so I knew I was going to be graduating next year and I had the same thoughts in my head with how work was going how was I supposed to start a business when businesses that have been afloat for years and decades can't even keep their doors open so I started to think about what do I want to do also while I'm furloughed and my objective was well let me just start an online business and it'll just be strictly online. I don't really have many, you know, realistic goals. I just want to see what happens. I just want to put it out there. And then that way, when I graduate, I can open something and people will at least know the name. And so in a way I can relate to your story because I was laid off. And then that, you know, push in a corner, you're either going to sink or swim, force both of you and I to find a way to swim. And then now we hear our today and we're like, oh, look at us for a little entrepreneur. Yes. <laughs> no, it's a good fairytale ending, but um, at the time it didn't feel that way. So walk me through your emotions at that time. You know, how were you feeling when you first started this business? And, you know, did you have expectations? Were you kind of just like, this is my lifeline? Like, Walk me through that first few months until you really started to see the success come in. Yeah. So for most people, when they got laid off or furloughed, they, unemployment was like, it was like not great to be unemployed, but people were making $800 a week on unemployment. And the week that I got laid off was the week that it dropped back to $200 per week. And so I was like, dang it. <laughs> now I have like, what am I going to do? I'm making $800 per month on unemployment. And this is kind of a side note, but I have this chronic digestive disease that is very expensive 
to be chronically ill and uh, America doesn't like you when you have a pre-existing condition and a chronic health disease. So my insurance, I moved on to COBRA, which for those of you listeners that don't know a lot about health insurance, I had to learn a lot about it. And the quick summary is that if you get laid off from your job, you can stay on your previous employer's health insurance, but you pay what they would pay for the health insurance, what they pay the health insurance company. So you basically just pay the company's portion of it um, or some of it, and then you can stay on the health insurance. So for most people, that is like $300 a month typically. But for me, because I am a very expensive person to stay healthy because I have to get a regular medication to stay healthy. My health insurance premium, which is the amount that you pay monthly to just have health insurance, to just have a health insurance card and be able to see a doctor, my health insurance premium was $950 per month, which if you can do fast. (laughs) Yes, that's right. I'm like, if you can do the quick math, uh, the $800 that I was making didn't even cover my health insurance for the month, let alone rent or car payments or my phone bill or groceries <laughs> or like anything. Right. And so I was what w- lived back and uh, moved back and live with my mom. And because I like literally couldn't afford to do anything and I didn't know when I was going to get a job. And so I moved back in with my mom and, um, I started the business mostly because I was like, I need to find a way to make more than $800 a month like ASAP. Otherwise I'm going to be in a whirlwind of debt very soon. So I started my business then and I didn't really have any expectations because I was just thinking as long as I can get clients to pay me more than $800 per month, this will be good until I get this, a a new full-time job. So when I started, I was still applying for jobs, not regularly, but I was a little bit more selective when I was applying after I had officially started my business and I had started my business as a virtual assistant, which was, you know, like pop in uh, like term and what everyone was moving into. And I had all of this experience and I was like, yeah, this is what I'll do. Everyone kind of knows what a virtual assistant is and does. So I started marketing myself that way. And I didn't really, like I said, I didn't have any expectations other than I just need to make more than $800 a month was my, was my goal. And I got within the first month I had signed four clients, which was amazing. And I found most of my clients by networking in Facebook groups. So whenever I talk to new people that want to be a virtual assistant or a social media manager or something along those lines, um, I always say, join the Facebook groups that your target audience is in, not these like virtual assistant jobs Facebook group. You want to join like a realtor, a real estate groups Facebook group if you're trying to work with realtors. Um, And then whatever your industry is, join their stuff. So I had done that and I, things went well pretty much right off the bat. And so about after the first month, I stopped applying for those full-time jobs. And I was thinking like, I could actually make this be like a real thing. I think this could actually be a thing for me. And it kind of just took off and, and started growing slowly, but surely from there. So within the first, like I said, the first month I was, it was just an act of desperation and I had zero expectations. Um, but that all changed very quickly. <laughs> Oh my goodness. I love that story. I mean, obviously I'm glad it worked out for you because I can understand from the beginning, you might've felt extremely uneasy or, you know, what am I doing? I even sometimes feel that way. Like the bigger I get, sometimes I feel like, what am I doing? Is this, is this the right thing to be doing? Um, so when you moved in with your mom, you said, when I got fired, it played a cue on my ego. So how, you know, how did your ego start to feel once you did get let go. And then once you had to move back with your mom, but now, you know, that you are successful, you know, walk me through that ego stage of how you felt from the beginning to through the middle until now. Yeah, that is like such a good question. Um, so I turned 30 in 10 days from the time that we're recording this. So oh my gosh, I am almost 30 years old. Thank you. How exciting. <laughs> um, but I am almost 30. So let me tell you, getting laid off and moving back in with your mommy when you are 30 years old is... I think a hurt to anyone's ego. I mean, I, it was a, it was just a, such a different time. It was something that I, first off, I never thought that I would 
get let go. I never thought I would have to live with my parents again. Um, I was living at the time, I was living in Scottsdale, Arizona, and I was in a house that had, it was like this super modern, nice house that had a backyard, fenced in backyard with a pool. Like I was doing really well for myself and I had a really good life out there. And when I had to move back in with my mom, I was like, I can't believe that I have to do this, but it was such a COVID changed up people's lives, like all across the board. Like every person was impacted by COVID in some way, shape or form, of course. And so for me, I was like, you know, everyone was telling me, you know, you shouldn't be ashamed of this. And this isn't, you're not failing. Like this is a pandemic, you know, everyone's having to adjust in different ways and you're just having to adjust in this way, which is what also a lot of the world is going through, like a lot, there's all these statistics about all these millennials that had been moving back in with their parents during COVID. One, because a lot of people were getting laid off and a lot of millennials or Gen Z were kind of lowest on the totem pole and were therefore being let go, but also because people were just really struggling mentally and like emotionally during COVID. I absolutely was as well. The laugh didn't necessarily help. Um, but so once that, once my business started to pick up, um, it wasn't just, you know, my mom telling me that she was like proud of me. It was, I was getting just this like outpour of support from so many people. Everyone I, like I said, have worked at four different companies in my lifetime, pretty large companies, Jimmy John's, Carvana, like these big businesses. And I was getting like regular DMs from people just that I used to work with that I haven't spoken to in five, six years. And they were like, we just want to let you know, like how proud we are of you. And like, I have loved watching your journey to being a business owner. And I'm like, so proud to have been able to know you and have worked with you in the past and have like learned from you in the past. And now seeing what you're doing now, like it's so inspirational. And like, I know we don't keep in touch, but know that I am like, so rooting you on from where I am. And it was like so touching. And I have a lot of those saved. And when I'm feeling like down in the dumps, the business owner, like imposter syndrome creeps in, like we all have. I read some of those things to know that like there's so many people that supported me. Um, and once my business, like once I was getting clients and I felt like I had a real business, my ego issues <laughs> really went away. Now I'm, of course, like more than proud of myself for where my business has grown to in such a short amount of time. I'm like so proud of the work that I've put in. And I've, you, like I said, I've had all these, you know, good jobs in the past, but I was never really proud of myself in those jobs. I never felt like I was really making a difference. And now I feel like I'm making a difference, not only for myself, but I have these employees and I'm able to contribute to their growth and their development and I work with small business owners mostly on their social media and website design and marketing efforts and so see helping them and seeing them grow like the my I feel so fulfilled in like my professional life I'm excited to sit down and open my laptop and work every day and I've like never <laughs> felt that in my lifetime and so my my ego issues were short-lived um, after I got laid off, as soon as I said, like as soon as I decided to make the decision to start my business and I felt like I had something to work at again, uh, those things kind of went away and they're so in the past now, but um, yeah. <laughs> I applaud you for being so vulnerable because I feel like talking about the ego in terms of career in our country specifically, we put a lot of emphasis on materialistic items and that comes with how much money you make, how much of a name you can make for yourself. And not only that, but we put a lot of pressure to make it happen in a short period of time. People don't want to see you take forever. They want to, you know, they only notice once you've been working behind the scenes for a while. Um, yes. And, and even that, they only notice a few. So um, I'm glad that you brought up the ego thing in terms of I had this big, beautiful house and I had to almost 
have a physical form of what you were losing because you know it's you yeah you can say I lost a job that I didn't feel any fulfillment in but it was more than that right it wasn't just you know some a paycheck it was a lifestyle change and an ego imprint in terms of well I'm 30 years old and I'm living with my mom and in America that could be a very hard thing but in a lot of other cultures living with your parents is like a very honoring thing to be able to do um so I really thank you for sharing that experience with me, um, simply because I just shared with you before we hopped on and started recording that I'm selling my house. And last week I recorded a whole episode with my husband and I talked about how much of an ego hit it's hitting me. Um, and the quick, you know, recap of that podcast was, you know, I live in a three bedroom house. It's all white. It's all beautiful windows, cathedral ceilings. It's the biggest, nicest house I've ever lived in. And I sometimes have this fear of like, all my friends are always like, wow, you live my dream life. Oh my gosh, you have a big, big, beautiful house. And it's scary to no longer have that, even though this isn't even what I want anymore. Like, I don't want the big house anymore. And I, uh, you know, we're moving to the country, so I want less neighbors and more land, but I was just sharing with you that in between building and not even to mention, we're going to be building a much smaller house, something that I don't, you know, we're not having children, so I don't really care to have this big four or five massive house, and it's hard for me to say it out loud because I know that's not what I want, however, I feel the need to keep it to keep people thinking that I can afford it or you know what I mean that might yeah have this big house um and I think that's interesting and especially as entrepreneurs you know I I think like you don't know what it feels like to own a business until you own a business until you actually see the numbers coming through until you get employees and they don't care where their paychecks coming for, from they just know they expect it and so it's your job to make sure that those dollars are there for them when payroll goes out um so I just, you know, admire you for being so honest and vulnerable because I definitely have similar um, feelings. And I think it's kind of the 2020, we all went through life changes and it really starts making you think about what are the essentials, right? Well, you know, what is, what does it actually mean to live a fulfilling life or have a career that makes you feel fulfilled and proud of yourself? And I'm glad that you mentioned you were proud of yourself because you were saying, everybody said they were so proud of me. And the question that was coming up next was, are you proud of yourself? But you did mention that you're extremely proud of yourself and I'm proud of you as well. So thank <laughs> you so much for sharing. Um, you know, I really admired that. Um, so now that you have employees, tell me how you feel. Cause I did mention there's a lot of pressure to perform, you know, it's no longer, let's just see how my business does. And, you know, it'll be fun. I really hope it works to, okay, now my business works. It's proven it worked, but now I have this constant pressure to make it work. I can't, there's no more room for extreme airs anymore because, you know, to walk me through that pressure and how are you feeling in that evolution of your entrepreneurship? Yeah. So I feel, I heard this saying the other day that relates to entrepreneurs. Um, and it says new level, new devil, meaning for like every new level that your business hits, there's a new devil. Like there's a new struggle. There's something that you have to figure out. I tell, I do some like um, coaching and consulting and things for new like social media managers and virtual assistants. And I always say that you don't know everything. You never will know everything. I sure as heck don't know everything. And I will absolutely never know everything. So having these employees now is a new devil. It's a new, I'm having to figure out, like you said, how to make sure that we have enough money to keep them employed. <laughs> um, and they're all part-time right now. Hopefully one of them will be coming on full-time in the May, June timeframe. But it's making sure that I'm getting enough clients and building enough business enough to be able to afford that. And my accountant is helping me make sure that I'm able to afford those types of things. Um, but separate from 
from that, it's, it's tough to manage people. I've managed people at past jobs multiple times, but in a, in a different sort of capacity. And, and this is so much, is so much different managing people as a business owner, because it's so personal to you and everything that they're doing is, you know, relating to your business. And it's not just, okay, you give it to me, then I give it to my boss. And if she hates it, then, you know, whatever it is, everything that you do impacts me and my business. And so I um, have had a hard time giving up control over certain things in my business. And someone will send me, you know, uh, content for social media that we're going to post because I have a team that handles a lot of that for me now. And someone will send it to me and they'll say, you know, like, let me know any edits and I'll be like, oh, well, you know, I don't really love this graphic. And so I'll start playing around with it and editing it. And then by the time it's all said and done, I've like redone everything, right? As opposed to explaining to this person what the changes are that I want to see and why we need to see changes. And it's really important that I am able to learn how to communicate those things. But for me, being a new business owner, I look at it, you know, or a a new kind of manager in that sense, I look at some things and I say, I don't like it, but I don't know what I don't like about it. So I don't know how to explain it. So it's very much a learning and growing experience and opportunity for me as well to be able to kind of like step up as that real CEO or and have people look up to you and have people need guidance from you and be able to give the guidance that they need. So it's, um, it's challenged me in a lot of ways, thankfully in my business, I mean, knock on wood, but we haven't ever had a client leave us, um, that we've done work for. We do mostly do social media. Like I said, um, And so the only client that ever unfortunately left us was because they were having major supply chain issues um, and issues with raw materials as a lot of people are, as all these boats are stuck in the ocean with a product on them that we can't get. And so she unfortunately had to close her business due to supply chain issues, nothing to do with there's plenty of demand. We were generating enough demand. They just, they just couldn't even keep up with it. So she closed her business. And so we lost her as a client, of course, but um, thankfully that's really the only client that we've lost. But again, it makes it even more pressure to make sure we're continuing to deliver a really great customer and a really great client experience so that we don't lose those people so that my employees can stay employed. And so my business continue to grow. So it just is a new devil, (laughs) a new thing I have to figure out, but um, it's going pretty well. We're taking it just kind of one day at a time. And I, I tell my team that, you know, I've managed people before. I know how to help you and, and communicate with you and how to help with career development. I ran career development programs. So I totally get that. But like, you need to let me know how I can help you. Is this communication working? Are these deadlines working? Like, where do we need to adjust things so that you feel like you're very much a part of the business and you also feel like things are very manageable for you, but we're not sacrificing client experience or we're not missing deadlines that we've promised the clients. New level, new devil. Would you look at that? (laughs) Um, Me and you are really similar because I also brought on two part-time employees in January. And that was the first time where I realized I don't want to be a manager ever again (laughs) in my life. You know, I was a manager before I, you know, quit my job. And then all of a sudden, I had employees to manage and I was like, I never thought this day was coming again. I was like, yeah, I never to work for anybody else. And then all of a sudden I kicked myself back into like manager mode and I didn't have a superior to talk to or to have guidance from or to even be like a a protocol. It was my job to create the protocol. It was my job to teach people how to run (laughs) my business and, um, you say it like, honestly, new level, new devil, I'll tell you that. And I liked how you mentioned it's your name. I feel like it almost makes me, I don't feel like I was a bad employee in any means, but it makes me realize that these jobs I worked for, you know, that was somebody's baby too. And I don't think I cared. I was just like, I'm just going to do my job as best as I can and get my paycheck and enjoy what I do. And that's it. And now all of a sudden I realize as I'm employing people that, you know, sure they can love the business, but I don't know. It's a little intimidating because they probably will never love it as much as I do and cherish it or baby it as much as I do. So 
but my employees are great. But, you know, it's kind of <laughs> something to think about. And um, so I'm really, you know, we're, we're most, we must be moving to this chapter together. I think we're, I am by no means multi six figure yet, but I'm very proud for doing it. <laughs> um, but we must be very similar in our growth. And um, everything you said is spot on um, just because I don't want to be a manager. <laughs> um, it was funny because in my last semester, I was taking I don't remember some some classes, the final class. And for our final project, what we needed to do was make a portfolio of we had to make a 10 minute video, a cover page, a resume updated and <clears throat> something else for our dream job or for the job we were applying for after graduation. And I, in a way, was like, aren't we in the entrepreneurship program? Like, why would we be wanting to work for somebody else? And I was like, I in no way can even fathom pretending to apply for someone else. I can't manifest that. No way. Do I even care about what other people are doing? I'm focusing on what, how I can make my business most successful. So for the entire project, I applied for the CEO position of Plants and Pilates. And it was because my position was, I have a very, very high demanding job right now. And I finally put myself on payroll, which was a huge leap because for a long time I went almost two years, well, a full year and a half without being paid. And then to put myself on payroll, I almost felt guilty in a way. I'm like, maybe I can do more with that money. But at some point, I want the satisfaction of being able to create a business that can also feed me. Um, so I put myself on payroll. But I the position I took was I have a very, very, very demanding job where I do almost everything. And I want to evolve and graduate from that and like you mentioned start giving my tasks to other people who I trust and really being okay with letting my business grow because it only can be so big if we do everything for so long um, and I wanted to evolve into that CEO position where I can make more executive decisions do more things with how do we expand past California do we want to open more shops what does that look like is that a franchise model is that just a you know sole proprietor so I want them to own just the name um and that's more where I would like to be but right now I'm very much doing the little tasks so tell me how it's been as an entrepreneur to let go of some of those tasks and have you fully been able to do that and what advice would you have for someone who's in similar shoes of you know letting go of their baby and letting it evolve and quite literally grow up and you can take the training wheels off a little bit I think that like you were saying, the, the, well, the first thing that I did was outsource the things that were either like easier um, or really, really time consuming. So being in social media, a big part of having a successful social media account and growing your social media pages and converting clients is of course like engagement and interactions and, and building that community and engagement, unlike doing anything else in your business, if it's invoicing or creating content or like whatever you do on a daily basis, engagement is something that you can never get quicker at because it is a time-based thing. It is, we do this for 20 minutes per day, every day of the week. And it's not something that I can get quicker at. And um, that was the first thing that I outsourced because it was just so time consuming and I needed to free up my time to be able to find new clients. And I have a lot of clients that we do that for to the tune of like two hours a day. And I'm like, I don't have two hours a day to spend doing this. If I had two free hours in my day, imagine all of the extra things I could get done. All of these side projects that I have, finding new clients, having new consultation calls, signing on new business. I only have a finite number of hours in the day, even if I'm working 12 or 13 hours, like I only have a finite number of hours in the day. And once those are all booked, I kind of hit a stopping point. So I started by outsourcing the thing that was one kind of the easiest to do, but also that I felt okay giving up control over. Um, even that was tough because you can't really 
tell if somebody is engaging every day. So you, that was one that I had to really find someone who I've really trusted and my employee that I have, it, I trust her so much to do it. So, um, it took me a little while to trust that. But after that, I brought on somebody to do content creation, which again, frees up a lot of my time. We, I still review all of the posts before they go out and I ask for edits and I make changes myself if I need to. Um, but so I still get to see everything, but again, it frees up my time to only have to review things as opposed to have to create everything from scratch. So I would say that for someone who's at a stage where they feel like they've maybe hit a plateau either with income or with time um, i would start by outsourcing the thing that is the that you feel like you are okay giving up the most control of even if it's something in the back end of your business personally if you use like google drives for organizing things it's like maybe you just give up control of that to a virtual assistant or someone that you can bring on for a couple hours a week to take care of some of those things that isn't really worth your time, right? Like bringing your, if, if your time is like generally worth, like just for very ease of, let's say like your time is worth like a hundred dollars an hour, um, freeing up an extra time in your day brings you an extra hundred dollars an hour. So if I'm going to spend a hundred dollars for my hour doing engagement, but I can outsource and pay somebody $20 an hour to do that. I'm still profiting $80 an hour for some, for doing this thing, but it frees up my time in an entirely new hour to bring on somebody else who's going to pay me a hundred dollars an hour. So now I'm making like $180 per hour by doing that thing. So free up the thing that is going to be the easiest that, you, that someone you can bring someone on where they'll know what they're doing. Um, and that it's not so complicated that you feel like you have to have control over that, right? Um, but it's easy enough for them to do that you can pay them lower and that you trust them doing so you can bring on new clients. So I would suggest that is what you should outsource when you're at that point. And then definitely, definitely interview a couple of people. Um, I found some good success by posting in my own like personal networks on my personal LinkedIn, on my personal Instagram and personal Facebook pages that I was looking to hire somebody. And like everyone knows someone that is doing something, right? So I've even gotten referred a lot of business, new social media and new website clients from my friends who are like, my mom needs a website. And so I told her to come to you, like literally I've, that's how I've gained clients. And then that lady knows somebody else then that lady knows somebody else. And so those things grow for me. And it's the same for the people that you want to bring on. Like people know that I do social media and I'm sure they know someone who does an hourly virtual assistant thing or that they might know someone. So I started by using kind of my own personal network in terms of hiring because I trusted the people that were referring people to me. Um, I also posted on Instagram. I posted on a couple of other Facebook groups that I'm a part of. Um, and I interviewed a couple people before I made a decision because like you said, finding the person who's going to care about it as much as you do is so tough. So I got a feel for people through interviews and while interviewing most people for like a virtual assistant or content creator role, some people might think that that's like kind of extreme, but for me, I have such better peace of mind knowing that I picked the person who I feel the most comfortable with, who's gonna contribute the most to my business and who's just gonna make it less stressful for me and not more stressful for me <laughs> by having them on. I agree, that was very well put. And um, I really liked how you used the example between going from 100 to then 80, but then to 180. And that was something, a leap of faith, I would say that when I brought on people to help me, it was, is it, is my time worth more or will I get more just being able to push out more? And um, I can say, I feel like similar to you where I feel like it was a huge worth it in investment. And even though I spend way more on payroll than I would have ever imagined being able to do, but it's insane because I can afford that payroll because they offer the, they bring in so much more. Um, so I really like the way you said it and I will stand by everything you said. I definitely <laughs> agree. Um, so thank you for sharing, you know, the story where you are presently, but I want to know where are you going? So what do you see this business thriving into? How big do you want to take it? What, are your goals of getting out of it to getting to the extent of how big you want it to be? Um, tell me a little bit about that. 
So I don't totally know yet, but I've been listening to a lot of what my clients have to say. So a lot of the people that I've brought on um, that are clients of ours are people who have had really bad experiences with social media managers and social media agencies in the past. And I think that there's, it's tough because social media is something that a lot of people think they can do. And I'm not saying that they can't do it, but there's so much more that goes into a marketing strategy and a content strategy than just making like a Canva graphic and posting a caption. And um, there's a lot of agencies out there that at least my clients have come to me from and they've said, you know, these people, we, they were supposed to be posting five times per week. They post one time per week, or I brought on this agency and I paid them the first, you know, monthly fee and then they just totally ghosted us. Or they're such a big agency that they feel they have so many clients and they feel like the, my client was explaining how this agency they worked with in the past, they didn't feel like they understood who, what the business was, what the brand voice was, what, who their target audience is, who they were trying to reach because they just kind of had, they were so busy. They had so many clients that they just had this kind of cookie cutter approach to creating content for everyone. And unfortunately that gives like all social media agencies such a bad rep, but, um, I've been listening to my clients and what they've been saying with that, how their pain points and the reason that they were hesitant to work with a new marketing agency was because they had all these bad experiences or they felt like I said, they didn't understand the target audience or they would explain it to the account manager. And then the account manager would relay information to the content creator who would relay information to the graphic designer and just like so much was getting lost in the mix. So um, I think that I want my business to continue to grow in an ideal world, I think I would want to have 10 employees, like 10 full-time employees, um, which is much bigger than I am right now. I have four part-time employees. So like totals up to like two full-time employees, if that. Um, so I want to grow it much bigger than it is right now, but I don't want to get it to a point where I, we start having issues or we start experiencing issues that's going to cause social media management agencies to just have a bad reputation and I don't want to drop the ball. I love that our clients have stayed with us for so long because we provide this like good client experience and we take all of their feedback to heart and we all work on accounts together. Um, and so I want to keep that feel of it because I think that that is something that's been missing. Um, I just had a consultation call last week with a new potential client who hasn't signed on yet but she afterwards, she interviewed us as an agency and then another agency. Um, and so she followed up and said, you know, I, I think I'll want to be moving forward with you guys just because I think I'll be able to get a better experience. And I think you guys would understand me a little bit more. The other agency had a, had better ideas of what they wanted to do. Um, and they're kind of experts in this field, but they're just so big that I feel like I would just be one of many. And she even said after as she got off the phone with, with them and on their consultation call, she got sent a proposal by somebody else in the company. She's like, I feel like I'm already being passed off and I don't want to be just passed off. I want to be like valued as a client. So I don't want the agency to get too big where my current clients and their pain points that they've experienced with other agencies or how they compare us to other agencies, we just become like one of those in the mix, you know? So I'm trying to listen to what those things are and grow my business in a way that helps the people that I want to continue to helping, which is small businesses, like less than 50 employees. I work with a lot of solopreneurs. And so I want to keep it having that feel, um, to it. So I don't know, like I said, exactly how big 10 employees I think is a good amount where I would still be very involved in the business and we're not so big that things are going to get lost through the mix, but we have the people who are an expert in their lane, you know, and then can really provide this value because I tell my clients, I'm like, the reason that I brought on these different people is one, to free up some of my time, but two, some of them know way more than I do. I brought on a paid ads manager to run paid ads on Instagram, Facebook, Google, like Amazon. He knows how to run paid ads. Like, I have no idea how to do that. I have ran ads in the past on Instagram and Facebook, probably not very well, but I've done it. 
And I am like, this guy can bring in so much more value and give you such better results than I ever could. And so like, I understand where I am lacking and this is a person that we want because he's the expert. I'm not the expert in that. He's the expert in that. So I want to have those people similar to that where they're their expert in kind of their own lane, but we all collaborate and work together. So it kind of gives the client, like I said, this just like best possible experience that they're looking for because that's how you make your business successful, right? It's like giving your clients what they want and what they're craving because then that makes you successful. So we'll see kind of what happens from here and how things continue to grow. But, um, I'm super excited. And I think that, you know, as I get to multiple full-time employees, there'll be a new devil. And so we'll see how things have to pivot from there. But for right now, in my mind, that's kind of where I see things going. Right. I love that with small businesses, you as so hands-on get the opportunity to really nurture your clients and really be a hand, a helping hand in their business. And I really love and admire that you value that so much because I have also sat down with many people have reached out and been like, we want to do your uh, marketing or we'll run your ads. And um, I don't know, maybe because I'm fresh out of school, things that they were telling me, I was like, you want me to pay you to do that? I was like, what do you mean? I can do that in five minutes and I do it good, you know? Um, And then also I know a lot of people who have I know a lot of business owners and so I know a lot of people who do have those companies and one time for example um simply put I was just talking to these people and they were like oh yeah we pay them to do this this and this and I was like oh well essentially now you can do the buy feature on Instagram well it wasn't to buy in Instagram it was buy now but it took them to their website to buy and I was like explaining to them that you can do the buy now in Instagram shops and they were like well they never told us that or whatever and still just little things like that where I'm kind of like I you know same thing they were just getting passed off like good enough they're they think they got it continue on passing on so um you know and then me who cares about that brand was like, well, let me show you guys how to do it. You know what I mean? And so you are that somebody who will be like, let me show you how to do it. And I really admire and think that was a great answer um, in terms of let me nurture my clients and let me actually be somebody who cares about their business just as much as if their business were my own. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. I'm a, yeah, I'm like a big believer in educating people because I, like what we do when we onboard a new client, we have a pretty extensive onboarding process um, that they fill out a a very basic questionnaire. Then they fill out this four page ideal client avatar exercise. And all of my clients are like, this is the hardest thing that I've done. And I'm like, I can't believe that no one's ever asked you these questions before, you know, like not a business coach, not a past social media agency. Like this is really important for any sort of marketing, for selling, like for anything, knowing who your target audience is and having this ideal client avatar is so important. And so I always tell them, I'm like, it's a tough onboarding process. If you don't already have this, it's going to make you think about your business in such greater depth than you ever have. And a lot of my clients are like, this is so hard. And I'm like, it's going to be so valuable because we're not only going to use it in social media, even though that's what our agency is doing. You're going to, you can use it across your website when you're selling to people. Like this is what, this is what you need. And we don't like charge for, you know, people pay hundreds of thousands of dollars like for business coaches to come in and help them identify these things and they get it for us as a part of the onboarding process and so we have them do these things um then we deep dive into their social media accounts and when we do our social media kickoff call it's like 60 to 90 minutes and we explain we start by explaining like content strategy and instagram algorithm 101 so that they understand why we're doing the things we're doing, why captions say certain things, why graphics look certain ways, why we're posting these things in this order, you know, and including these hashtags. And I think that first off, it lets us be much more in control over what we're doing because we're not having clients come back to us and say, 
I, I don't like this. You know, they're like, these people are the experts because they have dropped this knowledge bomb on me and I totally trust them, but it also makes them feel involved in the process and educated about the process. And so they feel like they can speak to it. If somebody else asks them about their social media, they're like, this is what we're doing and why we're doing it. You know, like we have somebody else creating it for us, but this is what it is. And our clients, before we post any content, they review all content before it goes out. And then every month we have a 60 minute uh, review call where we, I, we again do super deep dives into their analytics. And we talk about what worked and what didn't and what future strategies we want to take and what our overall learnings are from the last month. And we review that all with our clients so that again, they like, they understand what we're doing. And I feel like that's just such a big miss too, is that no one is, everyone's like the algorithm, you know? And I'm like, it's not that complicated. Like this is the one-on-one on what the algorithm is. It's like super simple. And so um, I think that that education piece is something that sets us apart um because i i just fully believe that that people should understand where their money's going like if i'm paying an accountant i want to understand why she's running reports and what they mean i don't want to just pay her to file some expenses for me as a business owner i want to understand what it is and we work with business owners too and so i know that like i said this is their baby and they're trusting somebody to be like the face of their brand this is all like public facing content and so they want to trust who it is that they're going to do a good job and like emulate the brand in the way that they want it to be represented and so i think that ed- educating them is so important our clients love it I feel like a lot of times I ramble on to them about different topics, but they're like so thankful for what we're being able to telling them and what we're, what we're doing overall. So I think it's helped us immensely. And I want to continue to work with those same types of business owners because they value that stuff. You know, these big corporate clients are like, well, just do it, you know, like whatever we don't care. But I'm like, no, I want to explain it because I want you to feel involved. So we've hit our good sweet spot with the types of clients that we work with and the size of business owners and businesses that we work with. Um, and so I feel like we've af- over 16 months, we've like really refined and like nailed down our craft. Oh my goodness, Carly. Thank you so much for sharing. I really do value your words and I think you're going to be so successful in your business to come. You can really tell you're passionate about what you do and all Godspeed to you and your employees moving, all 10 of them. <laughs> um, well, before we go, I always ask every one of my guests, you know, what is the one piece of advice that you would like to leave with the audience, um, whether it's a topic we already touched on or a whole new concept? What is just that one thing you really want to leave with? I always tell people whenever and ask me like how my business grew so quickly and what was one of the things that I did to help grow my business. And I always tell people that they need to be telling everybody. I'm like, tell everyone about your business. Post it on your personal channels, on your personal network. If you're at um, like a wedding and someone asks, what do you do? You don't say I do social media. You say I own a social media agency because you never know who is looking for the types of services that you offer. And just saying you do social media, people are like, oh, cool. You know, they don't think that they can hire you or they can work with you because you might work with a part of a larger agency or a different company or whatever it is. And so I always tell people my biggest piece of advice is to tell everyone And when I first started, obviously, because I had this big ego problem that we've discussed, that was really tough for me to do because I didn't even feel like I had a business. I was like, I'm doing this thing. And I was so worried that it might fail or that it might not continue. And then people would ask me about it later. And I'd be like, oh, I failed and I got a new full-time job. And so my biggest piece of advice would be to tell everybody about your business and to just stay consistent in what you're doing and what your messaging is and who you're trying to work with and show up on social media or in the the ways that you're selling. It might not be through social media, but um, if it is like be consistent, even if you don't feel like things are working because I promise people will come back around and they'll remember you and people just need those multiple touch points um, before they usually decide to make a step and make a purchase. 
Yes, I 1 million percent agree. And not only, you know, do contacts make contracts, but just manifesting it in general and telling people about it, the easier it becomes to own that person. Um, I quickly, I used to just do like MLM selling. And so when I stopped doing that, obviously (laughs) I stopped doing that for just I wasn't successful at it. So I was like, I'm not going to do this anymore. Um, Then when I started to make my own business selling products, I started to feel insecure that because I stopped selling one product and then years later started selling another product that people would not take me serious or that I didn't even think I knew I took myself serious, but I was like, when I... And at this point, I'll take myself serious, not at the beginning. Did I, you know, and it started from just initially telling my family, I don't know why it was so hard to just tell my family, like, oh, I'm going to start a business because no one in my family's done that. So they all kind of were like, oh, I thought you were going to go to school and get a job. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? And so it was kind of like battling those conversations first and then the friends and then it becomes so now I don't even think about it. And I'm like, yeah, I'm a podcaster. I make YouTube videos. I own a business and do this. But at the first episode, I would never say I'm a podcaster. I would never say I own a podcast. I'd be like, oh, I just do it for fun. Like, you know, <laughs> or, um, you know, saying I own a business. At first I was like, well, I have a website. I don't know if I own a business. But now obviously I have a storefront and a website and I bring in consistent revenue and have employees. Now it seems so obvious, but try to manifest and own that person before it feels obvious because the faster you own it the faster you actually become that person so own it quickly because that's when the success for me at least really started to come is when I really came into fruition that person I wanted to become so I agree and that was very good advice Kylie thank you yeah Um, thank you so much so last thing, where can everybody find you? Tell us, this is your five minutes to promo your entire agency and promo yourself. Um, any little last thing where you want people to find you, tell us now. And of course, I will leave it linked below on all channels. So if you're listening, feel free to just go to the description of this podcast and all links will be live. But if you are just listening, Carly, take it away. So um, my personal Instagram or my business my sort of entrepreneur Instagram is at by.carlybridget. Um, so it's B-Y-D-C-A-R-L-Y-B-R-I-D-G-E-T. But I am in the process of rebranding my business because right now my business name is Carly Bridget Creative. And as I now own this agency and I'm growing this agency, it's not all about me anymore. And so um, I have, we're in the process, I don't want to, spoil what the name is because it's not done yet. Um, But we're in the process of rebranding. We're working on logos and color palettes and typography and things this week. So maybe by the time this is launched, I'll have the new business for you. But the By Carly Bridget page will always be um, always be active and it'll start to switch more into like an entrepreneur page and talking a lot more about entrepreneurship. Right now it talks a lot about social media tips and website design tips and those types of things. But once the new page is live, that will all be moving over there. And my page will be much more focused on entrepreneurship. And I've done, um, last week I spoke at a conference, so it'll be for more for those types of things. Um, but we, the new business and what we do now currently is a full service digital marketing agency. So we specialize in social media management and Squarespace website design. So if you or someone you know, because we tell everyone around here is looking for some social media support or is looking for a new website or is looking for some updates in their current Squarespace website, um, we do everything from helping with copywriting on the new websites to doing the full design and development, all the SEO, back end setup, all the keyword research. So one-stop shop when it comes to um, website designs and website setup. And then, like I said, we specialize in social media. Instagram is our one true love, but we are on all social media platforms for our clients. Everything from 
TikTok to Twitter to Facebook. Uh, we have a client that is a really big YouTuber. They have 2 million subscribers, so they're doing very well on YouTube. Um, so we're all over all the social media platforms, but Instagram is our fave. And then for the clients who need it, we also do email marketing or blogs or any of the things that will help you show up and stand out online. So that is what we do and where you can find me. And if you are listening to this after the new businesses launch, it'll be linked in my Instagram bio with the new businesses. So yes, you can swing over and find it there. Yeah, yes, feel free to send me them and I will try to keep the description updated as your business cool. always let me know. So if you are listening, hopefully the description is updated and you can find those new active links. Um, Carly, it was an honor. I loved your story. You are an inspiration to me. I am so glad that I had you on because I know you'll be an inspiration to other people and I admire you and I had no idea just from being a fly on your social media that you did have such a large story and I'm glad I reached out because I absolutely adore you and enjoyed your conversation so I really just want to say thank you and um, if you have anything else to say let me know but if not I truly truly just thank having you and your story is wonderful so thank you Thank you. Yeah, it was a pleasure being here. I've loved learning more about you and your business and where it's growing. And I've, it's always nice too to connect with other business owners and have people that have experienced like similar struggles or similar devils. Um, it's nice to, to be able to connect with other business owners on those types of things. It's one of my favorite part of being in like the entrepreneur Instagram world is finding people that you can relate to when people in your personal life might not be able to understand that or relate to it. So I appreciate you sharing and it's been just, it's been wonderful to be here. So thank you. Of course. Well, thank you to the listeners for listening to this week's episode with Carly. And again, you can find her in the links down below and I will see you in the next episode. Bye.